Our reading today is in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. If you're in need of a Bible this morning, you can look to the aisles or ushers have those available for you. And if you do not own a Bible, you may take that with you. It's our gift to you today. If you have one of those Bibles, the ushers just handed out. We're on page 809. Uh, Follow along as I read. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for this morning and the ability to gather your church here in this place. I just ask that uh, as Alfie preaches from your word, that um, just the words that you've put on his hearts would penetrate ours. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm trying to get set up here so I don't roll off the stage. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me open up with a word of prayer, if you guys don't mind. Lord, we are thankful for this time that we can come into your house and that we can come together as a body of believers, open up your word, and have you speak to us through the written word. Lord, we just ask that you'd be with those who could not be here today, those that are away Lord, our family and friends that may be ill, we lift them up to you, Lord. We lift up those places around the world that need peace, Lord. We ask that you would bring a peace that comes from you. We ask that you would speak to those that are hating, Lord, and those that are angry and those that have disruption in their families, Lord, that you would bring peace to them as well and Lord right now I just ask that you would speak through me in a mighty way so that your scripture would would be heard with compassion and it would be comprehended in a way that would be applicable to all of our lives in Jesus name I pray amen first thing I thought of When I was coming up here, if I would have rolled off the stage, you guys could have known my age right away because, you know, when you're in high school and someone falls, everyone laughs. It's like, (laughs) you know, when you get about 30 years old, someone falls, they just kind of say, hey, you need some help up. And then when you get older and you fall, people's like, don't move. Someone call 911. (laughs) So I'm sure that would have been the case for me. I want to start off, if you have your Bibles, I just want to kind of do a review first of what our pastor talked about last week. Last week, we were talking about, as he went over the baptism of Jesus, he was talking about really the inauguration or the dedication of Jesus being the king. So let me start off reading here, and then I I want to just kind of highlight that just a little bit. Uh, starting in verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it now to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately up from the water. And this is the part I want you guys to to remember from last week. 
Okay? And behold, the heavens were opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Think about that. 30 years Jesus has been alive, and now he's going to John. They're at the Jordan. He's being baptized. He comes up out of the water, and this is the part. The heavens are opened up. The Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and you hear God's voice say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The dedication, the inauguration, 30 years he's been alive, 30 years he's been waiting for the time of the ministry of the rescuing of his people to begin. And now he's about to get sent out to the beginning of that ministry. And now as we see he's about to begin, what does Satan try to do? Of course, his objective is to dethrone the king of kings. Because think about it, if Satan can win here, if Satan can stop Jesus by the temptation, then none of it matters. The suffering would not have happened. Jesus going to the cross wouldn't have happened. Our salvation would have never taken place if Satan would have defeated him here. So what do we need to do? How do we defeat the devil in this temptation? I've got a short video I, wanna, I want you guys to watch before we start to talk about temptation. Let's go ahead. Stay. So, come here. Come here. Sit down. Sit down. Get the tree. Sit down. Stay. Sit down. Stay. Sit down. Stay. 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 Come. Come. Come here. Sit. Eat this tree. Eat this tree. Eat this one. Come. Come here. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Stay. Come, no, come, sit down, eat the tree. Kind of a weird video to start. I'm hoping that you guys saw that there was treats set up all over beef jerky. And that dog would wait. And how did he do it? Did the dog look at all the treats like, there's one over there, there's one over there? No, the dog, in order to not go after the treats, continued to stare at his master. Continued to keep his eyes on the master and waited for the command, go get it. Go get that treat. John, John MacArthur says, to overcome temptation... We must keep our eyes on Jesus. When I was, and this is interesting, since we have a bunch of uh, college students here, 
from Alabama. Does everyone say hi to the Alabama people? <laughs> when I was in college, I went to Wayland Baptist University in Plainview, Texas, and I was a part of the Baptist uh, campus ministry. In fact, I remember uh, the director's name was Jeff Org. And during spring break, we had a, they would send out different teams to go do evangelism at different parts of the nation. We had one team that went to uh, California, one that went to Alaska, we went to New Mexico, that's where my team was at, and we uh, ministered in Santa Fe and downtown New Mexico. Then we had one that went to Mexico, and then we had one team that went to Fort Lauderdale. Now, the team that went to Fort Lauderdale, theirs was going to be beach ministry, and also they would had a van where they'd pick up kids, uh, you know, college students that were out partying, and uh, they'd pick them up from the club, take them back to their hotels, and then um, the next morning, they would have an area set up where they'd feed them breakfast, and they'd preach the gospel. But I remember when we were getting ready for this, they had all of us together, all the, the leaders of the team, the preachers, and we had different people come in to give us teaching on what to expect and how to behave and what to do in the guest, uh, you know, the homes that were inviting you in as far as like making your bed, picking up your towels, things like that. And we had pastors coming in, other professors, and there was this one professor, he was late 70s, early 80s, and he was talking to us about, you know, preaching the gospel. And the team from Fort Lauderdale, the preacher said, we're going to be in Fort Lauderdale, and we're going to be preaching on the beach. Now, there's going to be some ladies on the beach with provocative or inappropriate swimwear on. He said, at what age are you able to look at someone with something like that and not have temptation? And the professor said, I don't know, I'm not that old yet. <laughs> temptation. How do we beat it? How did Jesus beat it? To overcome temptation. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. Aren't you glad that the Bible says in Hebrews, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. Think about that. In every respect, been tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life. In every respect, tempted as we are, yet without sin. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to go over the scripture that was read first. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm studying and reading the Bible, the first thing I do is I read the Scripture just to see what I'm thinking. You know, before I read any commentaries or any books about it, I, I want to know what's the first thing that pops up. You know, what, what, what's, what's the author trying to say to me? Now, have you ever read something like this and said, 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. And then Matthew says, and he was hungry. Don't you just go, duh? <laughs> of course he was hungry. That's the first thing I thought of. But then as I read it more and I'd studied, I figured what Matthew is trying to tell us here is he's 100% human and he's 100% deity. That's what he's trying to communicate to us, that we see that he has some of the needs that we have when he says he is hungry. When he says he was led or, or driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. This was, God set this up because he knew he had to beat him here first to show his righteousness. And then the wilderness. Now the wilderness here is not like what we would think about going north to Flagstaff and seeing the green trees and the birds and, uh, you know, the bushes and all that. That's not what's spoken about. When you think about wilderness in, in the Bible, this is a barren, uh, rocky, ugly, hot terrain. This area is the same place where David was hiding when he was running from Saul. This place maybe had some scorpions and snakes and maybe a few species of birds and some really annoying flies and an un, unimaginable heat. This is what Jesus was driven into for 40 days and 40 nights by himself as he was in the wilderness. That's what I want you to think about first. Now let's go on to verse 3 and 4. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If, that word can also be translated since, if or since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want to look at Deuteronomy also. And if you are following with your Bible, that's the fifth book. Or you can find it in your iPhones, in your app. Uh, Deuteronomy verses 8, 3. But just, I'm going to start in verse 2. Okay. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years into the wilderness. Okay, here's what's going on here. The children of Israel are being led by God. And remember, over here we see Jesus being led by the Spirit. Children of Israel being led by God, okay? Where are they being led? 
the wilderness. Okay, I want you to see some of the similarities, the correlation going on here. Your God led you all the way these 40 years. And with Jesus, it was 40 days and 40 nights to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the word of God. Okay, first off, the manna, they had no idea what this was. And if you think about it, the manna was nothing more than spoken to them as nourishment by the word of God. So they were living by the word of God. So when Jesus says man will not live by bread alone, but by the word of God, that's exactly what had taken place in the Old Testament as well. The similarities are so unbelievable. 40 years and then 40 days and 40 nights being led by God and being led by the Spirit into the wilderness they went. And why? To test their hearts, to bring out what was in them. That's what a fast is for, to show what is controlling you. And what was controlling Jesus What was to do the will of His Father. God was revealing what was in their hearts in the wilderness. And God was showing us that what was in Jesus' heart was what was in his heart. To see one was to see the other. Now I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 2. That's the first book in the Bible. And we're going to look at verses 15, starting there. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, first off, let me me, uh, say that right after this, he created woman to be the helpmate of Adam. And so I want you to know Adam is not alone here. Okay, so now we're going to go to verse uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Okay, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Nothing's changed. He's still that way. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. She added that part, guys, just so you know. God didn't say that part, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat 
of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because... I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, listen to this. The woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent! The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because of this, you are cursed. Okay. Let's let's go over some of the correlations here now. Okay. Jesus is in the wilderness. All by himself. Adam and Eve are in this beautiful garden with everything they need, all their their sustenance, all they want, but one tree, God says, don't eat it. They have each other for company. And what does Satan do? Did God really say that? Bringing that doubt. That's what he brings to to Eve. Did he really say that? Did God really say that? And what does he say to Jesus? If, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you are the Son of God, why are you hungry? If you are the Son of God, why were you born in a manger? The devil knew that he was the Son of God. But he knew that his job was to bring doubt. His job was to break him from doing the will of his father. Adam and Eve had each other there in the garden with everything they needed. And they failed. The second Adam, Jesus, is in the wilderness. One of the most horrible places on this planet. By himself, hungry. And he does not fail us. Amen. Amen. The point of temptation was not in the feeding, according to John Maxwell, but in distrusting the Father's will. Let's go on to the next part, verses 5 and 7. Five through seven, sorry. The second temptation. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. 
set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, here we go again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Now, did you catch that on the first time when he brings the temptation He's telling him, look, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus tells him, it is written. Telling him, basically, I'm going to live by the Scripture, by my Father's will, by the Word of God. And the devil's like, okay, I see what I need to do. Because you think that you know the Word of God? He knows the Word of God second best. Only The only person that knows it better is Jesus Christ. But the devil knows the scripture. And so the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. See what he is doing here is pulling it out of context. He's trying to set a pretext to meet what he wants Jesus to do. He says, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus quickly puts it back into context and says, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. We need to hide God's word within our hearts so that when someone is trying to pull one out of context, you'll be able to recognize it and say, not this time, Satan. I don't think so. That's not what the word of God means. That's not what it says. You're not going to get me to live my life that way. We'll be able to put it into the true context and apply it to our lives the way God intended I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, is what the psalmist said. The devil's trying to get Jesus to detour from the cross. Because he knows that if he can win here, it's all over. Let's go on. And let's look at how Jesus defeats the devil in this last part. Verses 8 through 11. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall not worship, or you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. You shall serve, I'm sorry, and and him only. You shall serve. Then the devil left, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. If you have your Bibles, I want to read to you something out of Revelation because when I think of what Jesus, and this part's a speculation, but here's what I think is going on. Here's Satan, and we all know that this is not the last time that, that Jesus is going to have to defeat Satan. In fact, if you remember, Peter tries to get him to detour from the cross also, and he says, get behind me, Satan. So this isn't the last time we're going to see this. 
But what I see going on is I can almost see Jesus giving him a view of the future and saying, let me read to you or let me tell you what I'm going to tell John about you, about me. So out of Revelations chapter 19, starting in verse 11, this is what I picture being read or said to Satan. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a white robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I can see Jesus after he's told him this, saying to Satan, I am that rider. I am the truth, the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can you see him doing that? Not only do we see Jesus telling us and showing us how he defeated temptation, because when I say Jesus told us, None of the disciples were there for this. Jesus had to have told them about this encounter. Jesus died for us. Jesus beat the temptation and Jesus died for us. You see, in, in the beginning, before this temptation, God had created the world perfectly. In fact, it says in the Bible that Everything that God had made, he said, it is good. There was nothing wrong. In fact, we read that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Can you imagine that? Before there was pain, before there was tears, before there was suffering, before there was temptation to be able to walk in the garden side by side with God. It was good. All that he had made. And then Adam and Eve, because of the serpent's deception, allowed temptation to overcome them. And they sinned against what God had told them not to do and broke that relationship and brought death that traveled all the way down to us. So now for forever, we've been searching trying to find how can we restore this relationship? Is it through education? No. Is it through the, the lust of the flesh? If I can just do this, if I can meet this need, then I will be back to the Father. No. 
Is it the pride of life? If I have these cars, if I have this money, if I have this house, if I have this relationship. No, that won't restore the relationship with God either. How do you do it? Jesus came on a rescue mission for his people. He came and lived the perfect life. No temptation overcame him. He never sinned. He went to the cross and paid a debt he didn't owe for us, a debt we couldn't pay. He went to the cross and took it all. And then he died, was buried. Yes, he died and was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, defeating death, defeating Satan, so that we could have a relationship with God if we would just accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That whosoever could be you, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've never received Christ and you don't know what it's going to take. Well, I can tell you for me, when I didn't know and I just knew that God was calling, I said, I don't know where, what to do, God. And I stepped forward knowing God would step the rest of the way and lead me to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you have shown us through your Son that you give us a way out of temptation always. If we'll keep our eyes focused on your Son, we can become each day more and more like him. Each day defeating sin more and more as you have wanted us to be more and more sanctified as you get ready each day to bring us closer to you. And for those here, Lord, who are struggling and feel like you may be calling them to a relationship with you for the first time, Lord, I just ask that you would help in their hearts to ask for that forgiveness. That they would repent of their sin and they would ask you Letting you know, I believe that you sent your son for me. And Lord, I know that he died for my sins. And I just ask that you would allow him to be my Lord and Savior. And I want to follow him the rest of my life. The best way I know how. As you guide me every day hereforth. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.